since we're now, what, equip school of discipleship. We're all in school together. So we are taking a break from the core lessons. Sam's got Christmas with family, and we're going to take a two-week break. And I'm going to do a two-week kind of mini-series on, on freedom in Christ. And so there's some notes. We'll have scriptures there. So I want to share our story a little bit with you and how this teaching came. It's been like an evolving process because I keep having more problems in life. Like the more we grow, it's like, oh, that's there. And, and this has been the process Angie and I have been on to pray, seek the Lord and healing and he meets us. And it's like, it's like, oh, but there's even more Lord. And we've been in it even the last weeks. He keeps showing us things. So Galatians 5.1 said it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is a core verse, right? It's for freedom that you've been set free. It's freedom that we are in Christ. To not live a life of bondage and a life of struggle. Amen? And yet, we find ourselves at time, right? How many of you have ever found yourself stuck and in bondage as a believer, right? We're going to talk. Why does that happen? And so let me just give you a, a brief kind of context of our story and, and how we're, we're here with that. So Angie and I grew up both in in Christian homes. Mennonite, well Mennonite, yeah, Mennonite. I was going to say quasi Mennonite, but they were I was like in a Baptist church, but we were Mennonites. Angie Angie was a in a, in Hillsborough. We meet at at Tabor. And Ronnie, I don't know what it was like when you guys got married, but we didn't talk like what we do now, right? We didn't talk about baggage. You just fell in love and got married, right? I don't, uh, I remember talking to my dad about dating and I, I remember asking some questions and he made the comments like, I don't know what you're talking about. We did not, like, he's like, I don't know what you're asking me. He said, I, I don't remember something like that. But then Angie and I, so we get married in 98 both carrying a load into our marriage, carrying weight from the past, undealt with sin, we can call it baggage. Angie's mom and dad, when she was 14, had been divorced in Hillsborough in a Mennonite town, and, and that caused something in her heart. And there were things that, that I had picked up in my family so we get married at age 22, and I may touch a little bit into this, but I didn't know Angie did this to me. See, when, when we were dating, everything was really good. She was with her friends, we'd meet, date, but then we'd go our ways. 
suddenly she's married to a high-level extrovert. She, I, what I didn't know is that Tabor, Angie would go back to the dorms and stay up to detox as an introvert. I thought Angie was like me, loved to talk, hang out, be loud. I didn't also know that Angie had fears deep down about men. Angie didn't know that she married a guy that had judgments and hurts towards women. Those would have been really good conversations, Brock, right? That would have been good to have. I wish I would have known Brock 25 years ago, but we didn't know you. And so that was not uncovered, right? So two weeks in, Angie had a thought come to her her mind. She's like, oh, my dad left me. Huh, this sucker could leave me. I better put up a wall and protect my heart from him. I didn't know that at the time, by the way, right? That would have been, again, useful information. Hey, just so you know, I I really do love you. I'm gonna have to protect my heart, but I'm willing to work through this with you. We'll go see Brock in 10 years, but this is why I'm gonna be a little distant to you for the next eight years. You just need to know that, right? I could have prayed, but we didn't know that, right? So I am this very extrovert, very warm, affectionate guy, and I'm sensing something, right? On top of this, her dad gets remarried for the third time, four months into her marriage. I had wounds, right? Those kind of discussions. And probably since 2013, we've been in a regression. We had four years, eight to 12, kind of like detoxed initial healing, but the last eight years, just continual healing, forgiveness, And so from that, we've discovered these principles, okay? So these are not uh, theory. This isn't from a book, although it is from a book because we learned it. But then we learned it and we've applied it and we've lived it out, okay? And so I want you to just say that that we're going to be real. I've already been real. We're just like... Is it okay for two weeks you come? If you don't want to come back next week, just watch it online. It's okay. You just won't hear the stories. You won't bother me. But I hope you come back. And we're going to talk about the heart tonight and next week about the mind. But we're going to look at this thing of the, of the cycle of pain. I want to give credit to a few things. People. John and Paula Sanford have a book out. And they taught a guy. His name's Jack Frost. And that's where we heard this cycle of pain. We've adapted it, but when it hit, when we heard it three or four years ago, it like just like connected with us. And then a ministry called Restoring the Foundations. Um, some of the outlines tonight is connected to them. So I just want to give credit to them, and we've adapted all of it, borrowed, stealed, and probably Brock's going to be in here at some point. I'm going to quote him, but you know we all steal from each other. But I do want to cite some people. Let me lastly, as I intro, you know. There are different modes to what we're talking about. We're talking about the inner life, lots of ways to look at it. Let me say the best way to get healed would be to have a vulnerable family, be in a vulnerable small group, and actually just share every week, be in a house church together. Like that to me is one of the best ways to grow. Just every week with your spouse, you're sharing, 
in a small group. But most of us, unfortunately, haven't had that. But I think that's where most freedom can come. Is it 60%? Is it 80? I don't know. But I believe just in the church, this should and can happen. Sometimes we do need, we like really have places where we need to go meet and do therapy. That's real. And so Stephanie just got a degree. We could go see Stephanie. We can meet with Brock or there's, there's just times where there's real things to talk about. My good friend Ronnie's here. Ronnie and Heather have been trained. They have biblical counseling, biblical applying the scriptures to real problems. And that is, is a way, right? And this is maybe an, another kind of highway, another lane, maybe a uh, process and all of that. So just saying all that, there's, there's many ways to do it. The, the picture of an iceberg, Michelle, we, we know this. When you think of what an iceberg is, it's, we only see what's on the top. It is literally 90% is below the surface. So what I'm going to do in sharing my stories, I'm trying to actually poke a little bit. Like that is real. Like I'm trying to poke a little bit, say, are you looking at the 90%? See, the reality is most of us don't want to do that. We don't always like looking there. We, we like superficiality. Like it's just really easy when I'm bored to not think about my boredom, not think about my dullness, not think about really what's going on and actually just get on Facebook, correct? Or if I'm feeling a little bit down, like chocolate chip ice cream is just really good, isn't it? And you don't feel like I sin that much, right? If I said, well, I went and got drunk last night, you're like, well, okay. Or, yeah, I mean, I went and did a hit of cocaine because I was just kind of down. I needed to numb out. Your guy, okay. (laughs) Like, you probably call Sam and say, do you know Penner did that last night? He was on cocaine Friday night. It's that country life, right? Yeah, we'll edit that. That is not true. Do you get what I'm saying here? Are you with me? But if I just tell you I've been a little depressed and I've just been eating chocolate chip ice cream, you're like, yeah, I've been binge watching Facebook, uh, Netflix, right? We just kind of do those things and you're not asking what's below. Like, why did I just check out for five days? Well, there's reasons why, you guys. There is reasons why and there are things going on. And so we're gonna look at those. So if you want to put the chart, I'm going to go really quick of the whole cycle of pain. Like three minutes. We'll catch it. It's not hard to understand this. You have that on the back. And then we're going to literally talk tonight for 25 minutes on heart wounds. And next week, we're going to talk about strongholds of the mind. That's where we're going to live. Simply, you've been created, and I'll I'll review this again in a second, with the heart that's been created to love God, to have the presence of God come, to feel safety at all times. Fully vulnerable. Think of Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with the Lord, fully naked, no shame, no pain, all their needs met. But in one moment of, of choosing sin, 
Sin has came into our world and we all are born into this cycle of pain. We all have had love wounds. And so when I have a wound in my heart, again, I'll go into more depth in this, that leads to strongholds, which we'll talk next week, leads to real thought patterns, lies. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about these lies, right? Strongholds that are what? Set up against the knowledge of God because the enemy doesn't want us to know that, that God's good, God's loving, right? You're supposed to fully feel him and experience this love and safety and you get that and then you're like, no, love's not safe and you start believing that. You believe God's not good because he allowed me to have pain and you believe that all the time and you put that on everybody, that God's not good, God's not safe, because I wasn't protected. And then that leads to sin and disobedience. It opens a door for me to sin. Now at this time when I sin, what can I do? Ronnie, we can repent, right? I mean, if I sin and blow up, get frustrated, I can, whoa, I can stop and choose if I, start to drink one time. Again, I'm using examples. If I, I do something, have a lustful thought, I, I can sin instantly and repent. Or I can, I can repent instantly. But if I've got these wounds and strongholds and I stay in my sin, it leads to the fourth one, what? Darkness and addiction. See, if I stay in this cycle long enough, sin gives birth, James talks about to what? death. And suddenly I'm on this and, and, and I'm hidden and more and more than that darkness comes. And I, I don't realize like, oh, there's pain deep down and this sin really helps it, masquerades it. But then I stay in the addiction. I stay in darkness. And then the last thing, then demonic oppression comes. We can't be possessed as a believer. Okay. You cannot be possessed. If you're in Christ, you have a will, you can make decisions, your spirit's alive, but the enemy can come attached to your emotions and your will and your body. He can and he comes and dwells and Tammy could help us do that. She's seen it, she's trained, she's an expert in this. Not expert, yeah, I think so. But Tammy, if we just tonight did deliverance, which we could do that, if you had real addictions and Brock and I coached you on how to get rid of, you know, we did 12 steps or whatever we did and we got rid of the addiction, got rid of the demonic, you confessed the sin and we did not touch the love wound and your thought patterns, what is going to happen in that cycle? Well, you may not go to a really bad vice, but you will go back to chocolate chip ice cream. Right? If you're, we're addicted to alcohol and now you're addicted to Diet Coke, we know which one's better. Practically. Right? You save some money. You can drink 10 Diet Cokes a day. You can drink lots of Mountain Dew for a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? If we could deal with all three, and I've tried to, but if I don't fix the wound in my heart and I don't change my thought patterns, I will go back and I will find another cycle, something to go on. In my own heart, I've had 
these wounds. And there's been three persistent things that I go to. Sports, love sports. I've had that broken finally in my life. Finally, finally, finally. And I can enjoy sports, you guys, and not get consumed by them. And I'm enjoying sports for the first time in my life without being consumed. I just, like, Chiefs lose, so, so what? I used to just kick chairs, get emotional, worry about it, think, get consumed. Eating, lots of food, love to eat. That one, we still have some work. We're dealing with it. If I give up sugar, then I find other ways to still, I mean, it's crazy what the brain does. And then I talked about the purity stuff and the Lord is delivering me. Those have been the things that just like go to, right? I have, I crave love of God. But if I don't get it or, or I'll get affections from people, I text people, hey, how's it going? And again, a lot of that's because I'm so relational. But then it's like, I love the warm fuzzies when people tell me things, right? Dang. And now he's got us out on the wilderness and he's, God's really messing me up. Some scriptures on the heart. This is what your heart was created for. Love and intimacy. Proverbs 4.20 says, above all else, guard your heart. So above it all, like above your minds and, and doing all these good things above, protect this heart. And, and when I'm talking about your heart, I'm gonna use the word soul and heart, your, your innermost place. When we think of, of the love of God, or when we think of God, the essence of God is love. 1 John 4, 16 to 19 says, so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Our hearts were fashioned again for this love, intimacy, vulnerability. How does that fear, well, this is how it's played out for me. This is, see what religion does, religion loves punishment. We love to punish. We love to... We, when somebody, we think we can correct them, and so we punish instead of discipline out of love. I've had to work through this, and my default still on this, if someone says, especially a leader over me, I need to talk to you, I sweat, I struggle, and I think I'm getting called into the principal's office. And I have fear that comes in me. Anybody else felt that? Why is it? Well, because we've had bad experiences and we don't trust that we can be disciplined, right? We need discipline. Ronnie, you and I need a lot of discipline, right, brother? I mean, put, I mean, we do. Guys like us, I need people to talk to me. I just need that. I need my wife saying, but see, if I think it's out of punishment and that's like, then I'm going to start hiding and I avoid certain people 
No, I'm not really trying to pick on you. I love you. I'm just like putting myself out. I need that in my life. I can be a lot, talk a lot, and I've needed that, but I can do that in fear. But I need to realize that God loves, and there's God, when I'm in love, it drives it out, and then it, I welcome. And so let's talk about these love wounds just briefly. Love wounds are emotional hurts that happen deep inside of us. And, and the word is deep. They're not physically visible, right? We're not talking about falling and spraining my ankle. And they really are tricky because they can be hidden. We may be aware of them at the moment. We feel them, but we learn to stuff. But they sure can be seen outwardly by the symptoms or the negative fruit. So a quote by Jack Frost, he says, if you have the fruit, you have the root. So if you blow up, if you struggle with something, well, there's a reason that that's happening. We know from Adam and Eve what happened. As soon as they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, the good of evil, they eat from this tree. God comes and instantly, what are they doing? They're covering themselves up. They're hidden. They're in fear, hiding from Lord. Why, why didn't they just come and say, God, and he confronts them. They're like, we're so sorry we messed up. Instead, they hid. They put shame on them. See, this is what we all fall in. If you have a two-year-old that you're potty training, we could ask Ryan about this with their kids. They don't just use the restroom out in front of everybody. Sometimes maybe a kid once in a while. But what do they do? They go run and hide. They know. It's built in them. When my kids would steal candy from us, they didn't do it in front of us. They knew where we hid it, and they thought we'd be in the other room, and especially Ethan, and he'd go and sneak and grab candy, and we'd find wrappers in his bedroom. He didn't do it in front of us. He hid. It's built in us, right? To have shame, to hide. And so these wounds have came to us, but there is hope, amen? Jeremiah 31, 25 says, I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Psalm 147, three says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 61.1, which we know is Jesus in Luke 4. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So we all are born into the cycle of pain. We all have these wounds. And let me say, most of these wounds have started early in your life and they just keep on growing, that you have more wounds, but some of the deep ones have really happened a lot of us, I think, in the womb, zero to five. And so what are some of these causes? You can, can see them. This is, we could list a hundred causes probably. These are common ones. Death of a loved one. Brokenness in our families, whether that's through divorce, abuse, being rejected. Control manipulation, performing, having to perform for mom and dad. You may have 
grown up in an amazing home and think I'd never suffered abuse. I had food all the time. Dad never yelled at me. But if you grew up in a home with performance, it can wound your heart. If you grew up in a home where dad was just, you, you didn't feel affection, your heart longs for that. And so then what are these resulting wounds or emotions? Well, then that's where this loss comes in anger and fear and guilt, self-hate, revenge, abandonment, rejection, depression and frustration. And let me say before we talk about the full consequences, here's, again, my experience, and Brock would be really good, would, would help us understand this in depth. But I, I see this play out primarily in two ways. One, people are so aware of it that they feed their hearts and then kind of they're so emotional and overtly emotional, but then really go outward for it and go to everything. That, that was my experience. Go to outward things because so, I just needed that love wound satisfied. And then other people just shut down. And, and that's maybe an oversimplification, but those are two things I've thought of. Shut down, Shut, you know, close the door on the heart saying, I'm never going to let anybody in there. I'm going to work really hard, make agreements with the mind. And you've been around people like that. No emotion, right? And I get, some of us are more connected with that. I'm not saying if you're an emotionless person, that means you're fully shut down. It could be just personality, but, I'm, but there could be at times where we've closed the door of our heart and we don't feel. So just these are basic consequences of of the love wounds. Hurts begin in the family and and then they affect the entire family. I've seen that in my own story. That if I'm a father and I have lots of hurt and pain, guess who gets that pain? The whole family. It affects not just my heart, my internal heart, but it may affect my physical heart, my body. Stress can cause real health problems because of our pain. And then we've heard this often, right? Hurt people hurt people. And so then I constantly keep walking out of my pain and and we use words to hurt people. Hurts then cause lies and strongholds. We'll talk about this next week. Thought patterns, lies. Hurts can cause shame, anger, hopelessness, or depression. Hurts then cause us to wear masks. We put on a mask. I I love joking about this, but it's pretty common. It was in our family, and I've talked to many people. How many of you had some of your best family fights on your way to church growing up? Did anybody relate to that? Right, or we had that, or and Angie, we've talked about that, what it was like to live in a, a kind of a religious Christian community. And I felt this in our own home. I would often, Angie and I would have a very hard week and then I'm having to preach on a Sunday morning and smile and act like everything's okay. How, how, how would you say, uh, actually this week, this is what I was doing behind the scenes. And yeah, Angie was really mean to me and I was talking bad to her. But hey, praise the Lord, we're gonna minister today. Angie's gonna lead worship. 
just want you to know pastors are real today, right? And so I put a mask on. Everything's going really good. How many of you have had to put that mask on, right? And maybe the biggest one is our hurts block our relationship with God, don't they? When we have wounds and we have these hurts, then it, it causes me to, to question God. I mean, if you've done that and that's real, God, why'd you allow this to happen? There are not easy answers for some of this, you guys. I, I'm actually pretty aware that ha- having fun sharing story, but like this actually is really serious and sober. And some of us in this room and they're listening, we've had really, really traumatic stuff happen. And it is the biggest thing to process the Lord in the middle of it. And so these lies come, but we can give these questions. We can give this to the Lord and he wants to heal our hearts. So what do we do? A couple of scriptures. Ezekiel 18, 31 says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? And then the promise of the new covenant, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So let me say, if you are in Christ, you actually have the new heart already. We don't need to work this up, Sam would say. You have, you have access to it. You may not be fully living in it. There might be parts of your old heart that are wounded, but you have the new heart. But what we want to do is access it further and we want Jesus to bring full healing to it. So we're going to just move into some steps. I'm going to go about 10 minutes here. And then I asked my dear friend Brock because he's deeply passionate about this and has in fact given his whole life to what we're talking about tonight. Seeing people free. And so I want Brock to kind of close us and he can pray and you can add whatever you want to do, Brock. But here's what we want to do. We're gonna, let me just talk about the steps and then we're just going to do lab time together. Is that okay, you guys? Mr. Jace is going to play for us a little bit. Love having music. Just to soften and allow the Lord's presence to come. But here's some four basic steps to, and we're going to do only a couple of them tonight. When we have a wound that's happened, the first thing you do is need to forgive. There is forgiveness that we have to do. And once I've learned this, I've learned to forgive all the time. Because I get hurt a lot. And it's like, ah, oh, I got, okay, I forgive you. And I just learned to do that all the time. But if we've had wounds from the past, we have to forgive. We have to choose to forgive. Forgiving our parents, choosing to forgive for the wounds, the things that that brought pain. The second step is then I practically just release that hurt, that wound. I just, Jesus, I, I need to give this to you. I need to give you my emotion, give you the wound. Number three, sometimes we have to grieve. We have to have experience grief. There is grief in the Bible. Psalms of lamentation, psalms of grieving. 
But just to pretend that it was okay, what happened is we don't have to do that. We actually don't have to put on our, our Christian faces and say, well, it was okay. No, it actually wasn't. Let me just say that. It was not okay what you, what you experienced. It, it's not fair that we've lost people to COVID, right? That's not fair. It's not, not okay that we were abused. It's not okay, right? There's gonna be a day where Jesus makes it all right. But right now we live in the, in the war zone. And so Jesus wants you to grieve. And lastly, then, until a wound is fully healed is when the Lord actually comforts it. So I can make all the declarations about truth. I can believe it. I can have really good spiritual and Christian theology. And that is, we, I need that. But if I have not allowed the Lord to comfort, to comfort, and let me just say, do that in a safe place with somebody. And Angie and I have had to weep before. Weep. Like groaning, snot coming out on there, weeping. I've seen other people do it at Kingdom Equip. Cheers, the presence of God would come and touch. And we're not going to probably have time to go full on tonight. But I've seen sometimes they just have to weep with the Lord to grieve, to give that pain. We've buried it so deep. Does that make sense? Let me say, we're going to go back to that. And then let me just say this. Uh, what, what do I do for the ongoing hurts? Right? How many of you have been hurt in the last month? Can you think of it like a little thing? You just like, ah, that hurt. That offended me. Right? Well, you need to do this all the time. And just little places, like just process your heart. And you're having to do it. We're in and some things in our family. And it's like, okay, our family, like, okay, I got to do this. I need to process it. And then I can have my, my ice cream. But I better not just go numb out first and stuff it down and pretend everything's okay. And so what do I mean by that? I just mean simply at the end of the night, say, Jesus, did I have any hurts today? Is there anything I'm trying to bury? And just, just simply give Jesus your heart. Come before him. This is what waiting on the Lord is, you guys just coming before him. And you guys, he wants to come. He wants to come regularly and meet you. And just come and, and I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if we to learn this when we are in our teens and 20s, but he wants to come minister your heart right now. And he's going to do that tomorrow. But you have to come and, and give him your heart. So that's the ongoing process, okay? Just giving him your heart, that new heart. We ask for the heart of flesh, the heart of the spirit to come. Just impart it to us right now, a heart of flesh, a heart of the spirit. We access it by faith. Just bless this group. I bless those on the video. Rockster. forget that when we reached out and took the hand of the Lord Jesus when we understood our need for a Savior and we took him on as our Savior that we satisfied the heart of our Heavenly Father forever 
that we are completely, completely accepted in Him. So much so that it's in Him that we live and move and have our being moment by moment. So much so that He placed the third member of the Trinity within us, who dwells within us. We are now the temple of God. And so under under no conditions or circumstances is the acceptance of the Lord Jesus ever broken or breached. We are in Him. Nothing can come against us to remove our place of acceptance in the Father. We are permanently His he is permanently ours. So what shall we fear? What possibly can come against us when we belong to the King and He belongs to us? So Father, solidify in us the truth, the deep, deep foundational awareness that in Christ Jesus you have accepted me. You have accepted each one of us in your Son, never to be removed from him, never to be taken out of his hand. And there's nothing, not death, not life, not angels, nor demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, now and forever, always in him. Acceptance of the Father God. And I ask now, just as we wait for 30 seconds, that you would press in with us now with the truth of what it means for us to be fully and completely and permanently accepted by God the Father. Confirm our hearts, Lord, as we wait. said in your heart I love the king I love the father I am accepted permanently in Christ Jesus and I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit because of his love for me I am my beloved's he is mine and nothing can separate me from 
the permanence of his acceptance and affection. Thank you, Lord, for the foundational truth of your acceptance. My permanent place with you, always with you. Nothing will ever separate us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Everybody doing good? Isn't that nice? He's feel that sweet presence right now. We're, we're done. All right? We can sit here just a little bit. Just enjoy this. Just breathe that in. This is Jace's playing.